0: What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Clee Talk, presented by FenleyRoadSports.com. I am your host, Bob. I'm hanging out, talking my favorite hometown Cleveland sports, as always, with my older brother, Chris. Chris, what's going on,
1: man? Not much. It's the NFL Combine Week. I know everyone was counting down to that today. It's also the Oscars tonight, Bob. I'm not the biggest Oscars guy in the world. I don't really follow them that closely, but I know a lot of people out there are eagerly, eagerly watching the show as we record to see who wins those golden Oscar statues.
0: Yeah, I I will certainly be turning on the TV and watching that uh, once we wrap up here. I believe La La Land will be cleaning up the house tonight, but who knows it, it should be interesting. And you are correct. The nfl combine is about to begin a little bit later in the week on february 28th cleveland browns are are lovable losers or i don't know if they're lovable anymore for you uh, that's listening um but a, a certainly a big week for them uh because cleveland controls uh, is set to have an abundance of draft picks most notably the number one overall pick and then the number 12 pick in, in the first round but they also come in uh two second round picks and, and a are set to get an abundance of compensatory picks as well. So uh, obviously the Browns need to do a lot of work this week and, and and take their best notes and do their best homework uh, at the NFL combine in Indianapolis. So Chris, I mean, what should the Browns approach be as they go to the combine this week and start looking at these prospects and and getting these measurements?
1: Well, well last year, I, I liked the approach to the draft that they brought. You know, they, they identified a couple core positions of need, mainly the front seven and wide receiver, and poured a ton of resources. Uh, I think I counted up 66% of their draft picks went towards those two entities alone. And all the players they drafted had a common theme. They all had to work really hard to have success in college. They weren't heralded as recruits, most of them, not, not all, but most of them had this common theme of gritting it out and developing and having that drive to improve. And, and so to me, what the combine is, it's a chance to sit down with these players one-on-one and really get a sense of where their mind is in the interview process. Can mm-hmm. they fit in the culture? Do they have the kind of mold it takes to grow into an NFL player because no prospect is a finished product and you notice the teams that have the most success in the NFL they find guys who have that drive and determination and improve into NFL players most notably the New England Patriots it's one of the reasons they've been so successful over the last 16 years the five Super Bowls speak for themselves it's not just them Bob I know we we both you know you Cleveland fans don't really like the Steelers, but they're very good at this. They grow players within their organization very well. And there are other franchises out there too. But I think the interview process is paramount. I also think that the the chance to put these players through a physical with your own medical staff and getting a sense of any prospect who might have some injury red flags and getting a full bill of how deep those injuries are, if they are a big concern, I think is another very important tool to utilize at the at the combine. And then finally, you know, from a measurement perspective, just to get some official numbers on a guy like how long really is his wingspan is it this or that because in college I mean you get a lot of different numbers thrown out there it's good to get an official kind of rap sheet on a guy just from a pure you know what is he bare bones perspective um then after that I mean the position drills are fine but but those are the big three things I think the Browns should be looking for um when they when they go to this thing in Indianapolis this week
0: yeah, I think those are all really good points. I mean, the the measurables, the the position drills, the the forty times, the the bench press, all of that, all, all that is just a number. I, I don't understand. I don't think I uh, don't believe that you have to be there to see it to to actually witness how fast somebody is. I mean, we you have a number, you you know, and you can compare that to everyone else how fast they are relative to the performances in the combine. So. I don't think that that is really should be the goal of going attending the combine as as an NFL scout team. Um, you know, granted, who who am I to tell what NFL scouts to to look at? But uh, that just seems like I uh, you know you could you could look at a piece of paper and figure that out. I, I like what you said about um, you know really honing in on those interviews and identifying the characteristics that you. Want in your team, and that you believe exists in successful NFL players, and it seems to be a work work ethic, a drive. Uh, not just uh, that the the last draft class had to work to get where they were, but they were mostly uh, team captains by the time they left their respective schools. They were also uh, statistical uh, producers. I mean, uh, they they drafted sack leaders in Carl Car- Nassib and Manuel Agba. They were respectively. I think, one and two in total sacks for, for the their their final year in college. So, um, you know, putting together the stats and, and the character and, and the measurables, certainly, I think that's a great strategy. I think number one to-do list uh, at the NFL Combine is, is Deshaun Watson for real or not? He didn't attend the Senior Bowl. You have that number one overall pick. You have a huge, glaring... 20 year old need at the quarterback position uh deshaun watson for me i I understand that there are a couple other guys in deshaun kaiser and mitch trubisky but deshaun watson is the most intriguing one and uh the most if he is for real and and can be as real as he was in college in the nfl uh, could be the home run pick and and could be the franchise quarterback at least that's what i see in him from his production If you go into those interviews and actually find uh, that Deshaun Watson truly is a a starting NFL quarterback, I I think that that uh, is your number one question heading into the NFL combine is, uh, is Deshaun Watson for real or not? If he's not, then look at Kaiser and Trubisky, try and identify the guy that you want to go to, because I I can't imagine the Browns not being interested in pulling the trigger on one of those three guys with uh, one of their first two picks in that top twelve.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see, draft talk aside, it is going to be interesting to see how these three quarterbacks shake down. Um, And I do think the Combine is going to, right or wrong, write a lot of their narrative for them. Um, One thing I hate about the Combine is there are a lot of Combine champions, and I hate it when the narrative becomes more about their Combine than about their tape. Uh, Deshaun Watson has some really impressive wins, really impressive tape. Um he blows'm not I mean, talking
0: relative to the other two there's his tape it has to be ten times better than those two. yes ta- I, I mean.
1: agree with that tenfold uh, absolutely and the, the the fact of the matter is now now Scott's going to look at it more from a technical NFL standpoint. you know there are certain things you can get away with in college that you can't do in the NFL. I totally understand that. I'm talking from a, a pure performance standpoint. you know Sean Watson played in big games. Big moments, stepped up, led his team to some big time victories. Um, You know, Mitch Tversky and Deshaun Kaiser didn't have that kind of success on the college level, but. I keep going back to this example. In 2006, Vince Young and Matt Leiner played for the national title, one of the best national titles ever. They were both drafted ahead of Jay Cutler. Jay Cutler played for Vanderbilt, and Jay Cutler was the superior NFL prospect. So it doesn't always matter how your success goes, um, whether or not you turn into a strong NFL quarterback or whatever. So, I do think these quarterbacks are going to have a a big time spotlight on them because I think a a lot of people have questions about them. And and even though, an aside, Bob, everyone talks about Mitch Trubisky being from Mentor, Northeast Ohio. Sean Kaiser is from Toledo. You know, he played for Toledo Central Catholic. Big time, you know, two high school football stars from Ohio uh, having a chance to be top 10 picks in the NFL draft. I think that's pretty exciting um, for a very rich. Traditioned football state as a whole. Oh yeah, for
0: sure. I think that's what makes this the the Browns' unique position in having the number one overall pick, having a a, a number twelve pick in in the first round, and then having uh you know this Deshaun Watson, you know by any metric in, in terms of success, so successful in college football as the leader of his team at the quarterback position, and then you have the two other guys that. Uh, could supplant him as the first quarterback to go in the draft, both having Ohio ties. I mean, Cleveland is in a very unique and high pressured situation because you don't want Trubisky or, or Kaiser to, to be the one that got away uh, and also be a homegrown kid. So yeah, I, that's why I'm, I'm honing in on the quarterback position at the combine. You need to figure out, identify what you want from that position and, and figure out which of these three guys has it. Cause I I can't imagine, yes, there are other things that we can, uh, there are other scenarios with some free agent quarterbacks and maybe some trade possibilities, but I I find it really hard to believe that with the ammunition that the the Browns have, that they aren't going to uh, pull the trigger on a quarterback in the early stages of the draft. Um, So, yeah, quarterback certainly uh, I think they should devote a lot of time to. uh, I think the secondary needs an overhaul as well. And uh, if they can identify who they want to potentially replace joe hayden or play alongside joe hayden as joe hayden uh, bounces back hopefully into a starter's role i think that would uh, certainly be be a boon for them so uh, diving like you said they they honed in on wide receiver in the front seven uh, in the previous draft i think that secondary should be the position priority and then quarterback you know is is kind of a beast in of in and of itself so I think that they really need to dive into that as well.
1: Yeah, I also think, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, because the, the Browns are definitely going to do their due diligence on Miles Garrett, who is projected to be the best overall player in the draft, who is projected to be the best quote unquote pro ready player in this draft. I know some people may disagree, but most people are leaning towards Garrett. So certainly the Browns will do their due diligence on him. And given what happened with the video with the Cowboys, even though he said it was a joke, I, I certainly expect the Browns to really get a feel for where he's at. Uh, and, I, and, and, and I I would hope that they will have some questions answered about him coming out of this process. Because, Bob, even if they don't ultimately draft Miles Garrett, if there is a team that's enamored with him, they could trade back and leverage that to get more picks and still maybe wind up with one of those three quarterbacks if, depending on how far they go back in the draft. So so I don't know if they're going to take a quarterback number one overall. I don't even know if they're going to take a quarterback with any of their first three picks. I'm not necessarily... Saying what I want them to do because I honestly don't know yet. I want to wait and see how free agency plays out to see what positions they addressed in free agency before I kind of go on the record. Uh, I know in our podcast, Bob, you have been very clear about your wanting them to go after a quarterback. Um, I'm a little more reserved right now just because I want to see if they can pull a trade for another quarterback or if they sign someone on the free agent as a free agent or if they signed other positions that I think they should go after as a free agent that to me may tip their hand a little bit and say okay they're leaning towards quarterback with that number one pick
0: yeah yeah no I I definitely think uh it's going to be intriguing free agency the, the Browns are about to are going to enter the off season with over a hundred million dollars in cap space so uh they they have to be spenders you can't you can't uh you know there there is a cap uh floor that they have to hit so they are definitely going to address some positions so things could definitely change uh i i yeah i i i want them to take a quarterback and i think that they they are going to um yes there there would be some intriguing options that i would be interested in or uh might uh play with them adding in the offseason but i definitely uh want them to spend this nfl combine keying in on that quarterback position um and and addressing that but yeah i I definitely agree with you a lot can change in the nfl combine and i'm not saying that they need to ignore every other position and only go in on the secondary and 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 just you know throw all 13 draft picks at that certainly take a look at miles garrett because yeah i i I, it's not that i don't believe that he's going to be a good player in the nfl i i think he's is going to be a very good player it's just that uh, the Browns without a quarterback, Miles Garrett is just going to flounder and go to waste on, on a team like the Browns. So I, I think that they have higher priorities. Uh, the unfortunate part of this draft is that the best player uh, kind of widely regarded across the, the league from, from everybody is a defensive lineman. It's not a quarterback or it's not a huge position in need for the Browns, but it, it could, like you said, uh, put them in a very intriguing position uh, as a trade partner for sure
1: yeah the other guy in contention with Miles Garrett for that sort of best overall player is uh, Jonathan Allen uh, or at least best overall defensive lineman I imagine they'll kick the tires on him because I, I do think the front seven while I think it was a positive last year it developed well I do think the Browns could have an intriguing situation of adding another potentially elite player to it and really starting to get a feather in their cap as something to hang their hat on Um, so, so, you know, let's not forget, I mean, the offensive line allowed the most sacks in the NFL and they generated the least sacks in the NFL on defense. So, so they need to, they still need some work up front on both ends of the ball. I mean, Bob, Bob, we could talk about a bunch of positions here. I mean, you went one in 15, uh, the, the, the good thing about the Browns is whoever they draft number one overall, unless it's a kicker or a punter, uh, you pretty much saying, well, yeah, this guy could help in some way because the team is one in 15 and and i also think that even if they don't draft a quarterback number 1 overall they still could draft one at 12 if they feel confident that their guy will be there
0: yeah cer- certainly I, th- I think uh that's definitely a possibility and and like you said we will we will uh that that will solidify itself uh not just for what the browns are, are going to do in the draft but for what everybody's going to do in the draft once uh free agency uh comes to pass but uh definitely need to take this time seriously at the nfl combine uh, you know, you alluded to uh, the 2006 NFL draft with the quarterback class. I mean, just look at last year's quarterback class. You know, Dak Prescott uh, being the best rookie uh, uh, of the class, and, and was what the fourth or fifth quarterback taken in, in, in last year's draft. So, if There's you do a your fourth homework, round pick. yeah, yeah. And, and so Cody Kessler went before him, and, and whatnot. Um, you know, if you do your homework right, you you can score and you can get, you can strike gold and we can, uh, you know, argue about, well, would Prescott succeed on, on other teams if not for the Cowboys? But, uh, you know, obviously th- there was something there that some teams missed out on. And, and I think the Browns need to not only hit on these, on these number one picks that they have uh, identifying that in the combine, but, you know, start to dive in and, and identify late round guys, guys that, that fit in with their culture that, that they think would be, uh, have would easily succeed if they were inserted into their system.
1: Uh, I, th- it's interesting you bring up Dak Prescott because he is one guy I always bring up as the counter-argument to why the draft should not draft a quarterback with one of their three picks um, because the Cowboys for the last few years laid the foundation for that pick by hitting on multiple offensive linemen in a row. And it's no coincidence that a rookie running back in Ezekiel Elliott led the league in rushing behind the real MVP of the NFL, that Dallas Cowboys front five and Dak Prescott had so much success in the NFL behind that Dallas Cowboys front five. Look, I'm not playing the game of what what would have happened if they went to the Browns or whatever, but there's no denying that the foundation for the Cowboys' success was hitting on other positions, building it up, and then even if Dak Prescott may or may not be an elite quarterback, I don't think you can brand him that yet, but it's clear that having the foundation around him makes his life easier. Having an offensive line he can hand Uh, uh, a running back the ball to and run behind makes his life easier. So let's not get too quarterback obsessed here because, Bob, at the same time, look at what Seattle did. They built up a defense. They had an elite defense. They slide Russell Wilson in there, and their offense didn't have to do as much to win that Super Bowl. I'm not saying it wasn't a good offense. I'm not saying Russell Wilson wasn't a great, isn't a solid top 10 quarterback. All I'm saying here is I think – Sometimes you can fall into the trap of pouring too many resources into that quarterback position and lose out on building a team around it and then maybe slide a quarterback in there when the lightning is is ready, you know, when the when the team's ready. And so I think the Browns if they're going to draft a quarterback number 1 overall, have to be absolutely certain that this guy can be a guy who can elevate a team. You know, I don't think you can waste a number one pick on a quarterback and not get that out of them, because it's too important of a pick. You need to draft a transcendent player with this pick or turn it into a lot of picks or something. So, I mean, not to get too NFL draft preview on you, but, but I do think that Dak Prescott is an example of a guy who fell into a great situation. I, I still think he, he was he had a fine rookie year and he has a great career ahead of him, but I do think that the Dallas Cowboys laid the foundation for that pick over the last three years
0: yeah no i i definitely agree with you i think there are multiple ways to uh get to where your team is in a successful position and to build your team up uh you you mentioned how the cowboys did it how the the seahawks did it i don't think the browns have that continuity yet um and so i i i would really hope that they are able to identify which of these guys particularly a quarterback is a star and and can can pull the trigger on that and he can lead the team to improve and to be better um, I, I think there there are a number of ways to go about building up your team uh, i don't think that they need to uh, fall into one way or the other uh, or feel pressured to go one way or the other they need to do what is best and what is the what is the route that makes the most sense with their assets and with their picks i think they're in a position certainly where they can take the star quarterback and this is uh, obviously the, the perfect opportunity for them to do so
1: yeah no certainly and like i said earlier um i think that free agency will shed a little more light on the situation depending on what positions they tackle look if they go out and sign two big time offensive linemen and a defensive tackle i think that's a pretty clear sign that they're probably looking quarterback early um, you know, if they go out and sign a quarterback, it's a pretty clear sign that they're probably looking defensive tackle early, because because uh, to me the pick is between those two defensive tackles I mentioned or a quarterback at number one. Um, and so I, I definitely think the Browns this week are going to answer a lot of their questions they have about them uh, through the process as we mentioned uh, at the combine. Um, but Bob, can you believe it? It's we still got so only I mean, what like two or three months to go until the NFL draft. It's. It's just such a long process, and so uh, this is just the beginning of uh, yeah. prospects being overanalyzed and dissected, and then put back together, and then re-dissected all over again, and it makes you forget what they actually did in college—the most important thing, right. their actual game tape.
0: Yeah, no, no, definitely, and, and just to, just to clarify, just a, a little, uh, little small, small bit from what you said. Miles Garrett is probably going to be a defensive end, outside linebacker hybrid. I think if they address uh, some some of the pass rusher a defensive end not particularly defensive tackle they, then certainly that spells that they're not going with either jonathan allen or miles garrett um though uh, allen was an interior lineman at alabama he's probably going to be uh, a defensive end in a three four or excuse me the, the browns are going to a four three so maybe jonathan allen would make sense in the middle but um yeah just wanted to clarify that miles garrett point but yeah i i definitely uh Agree it'll it'll be intriguing and we have a lot of time to go through and and really overanalyze these guys and go crazy with these mock drafts and whatnot. But um speaking of the NFL offseason and free agency, we know uh one former Ohio State player uh, is going to be on the free agency market. Nick Mangold, the longtime center for the New York Jets, was released uh, recently. Uh Chris, the Browns need a center, at least uh, I think they need a center. I'm pretty sure you think they need a center. Uh, Should the Browns take a look at Nick Mangold?
1: 11-year veteran, seven Pro Bowls. I know he maybe has lost a step because he's been injured a little bit lately, but the fact of the matter is, Bob, there's no way he's anything any worse than what's already on the roster. Yes, they could definitely use him. He's got Ohio ties, went to Ohio State from Centerville, uh, so, certainly, I mean, if he's willing to come here, sign him up, get him in here, because there is no way he makes this offensive line any worse uh, beyond Joe Thomas and Joel Bentonio. Uh, so, yeah, I would love it if Nick Nangold came in. And even if he's the placeholder for a newly drafted center to kind of groom him up like what Cam Irving was supposed to be, it uh, doesn't matter. Uh, you can learn a ton from this guy. So, yeah, if he gets in this team, I, I would... I would love it, it would be amazing,
0: <laughs> yeah, i mean uh drafted uh, rookie season in two thousand six from 06 to twenty fifteen the least amount of games started we're, were fourteen uh had some injuries the previous season and only started eight of them, but still i mean uh certainly there's uh reason to believe that he can bounce back and still be a consistent center. I don't think that's an in- completely shutting the door on Cameron Irving just because he is versatile and what he can do on the offensive line I just think uh he does not belong at the center position anymore I think that experiment has failed uh
1: yeah I mean Cam Irving was overmatched at center um I I hope they can salvage that pick I mean he's a top 20 pick and and Bob uh, what what people are forgetting was as disastrous as that 2014 draft was Cam Irving is technically kind of part of that because they traded back and that was the pick that they got for him became Cam Irving so when you think you could have had Khalil Mack at number four overall the the defensive player of the year uh yeah that's that's pretty bad you essentially traded the chance to draft Khalil Mack for uh Justin Gilbert and Cam Irving and so certainly hope they can salvage something out of Cam Irving uh to at least save just a little bit of face from that 2014 draft.
0: Yeah, well, um, you know, Browns draft fails and, and misses just compound upon each other where you just want to scream uh, if you get wrapped around that. But Cam Irving, certainly one of the cautionary tales of, of the long list of, of misses in the first round for the Browns. Um, so hopefully the, the uh, Browns staff has, has a good week in the combine and identifies some, some guys to take and, and p- players that, that, that they really want on the team. Uh, And we will definitely keep you updated as the NFL draft comes closer. Uh, Moving to some news for our local teams Uh, in the NBA. uh, We had a very quiet NBA trade deadline. The Cavs made no moves, uh, but they are going to bolster their team and finally get those playmakers that LeBron was so craving for uh, in January. Darren Williams is set to join the Cavs, the four-time All-Star uh, was released uh, from the Dallas Mavericks over the weekend and is intending to, to sign a contract to play out the rest of the year for the Cavs. And there are also rumors that Andrew Bogut is negotiating a buyout uh, with the 76ers, whom he was traded to at the NBA trade deadline and is set on joining the Cavs as well. So definitely Darren Williams is coming uh, and, and will be a backup point guard for the Cavs. Possibly Andrew Bogut is coming with him Chris, I have no complaints about these moves. What are your thoughts on them?
1: This is what you and I have been saying for about a month and a half now, that the Browns would be active players post-trade deadline when all the buyouts of the guys thrown in to make trains work happen. And, Bob, these are two pretty good gems. I mean, Andrew Bogut, former number one overall pick, Darren Williams, former number three overall pick. You know, the two of them obviously have seen better days, especially Darren Williams. I mean, First off, if Darren Williams was – Darren Williams in his prime. He wouldn't be getting bought out right now. But the the fact of the matter is, I mean, you can do... If Darren Williams is your backup point guard, you've got one heck of a team. So, huge signing for the Cavs right there. And then if they get Andrew Bogut just to top it all off, icing on the cake, I mean, my goodness, Bob, they will have had... A combined eight players drafted in the top eight, including three number one overall picks, a number two overall pick, a number three, a number four, and a number five overall pick, and then a number eight overall pick. So that's seven guys drafted in the top five in their respective years. That's about half of your NBA roster made up of top eight picks. That's insane. And I mean, then yeah. you talk about when everyone's healthy. This is this roster just got a lot deeper when you got Andrew Bogut and Darren Williams and Kyle Korver coming off your bench uh, in the playoffs. That's that's a pretty scary combination right there. I didn't even mention Amon Schumper, who's already on the team and playing some pretty good basketball right now. Uh, Bob, how can you not like these? Darren Williams, definitely. Andrew Bogut, very good signs. But again, want to stress what you already said. That's not official yet. Bogut's still working on a buyout. Indications say he wants Cleveland, but... If he comes to Cleveland, man, that's great. the The only question I have, Bob, is who would you wave to make room for Bogut? Because they do have to wave someone. Uh, looking like Jordan McRae would be the front runner there.
0: Yeah. Well, first off, I mean, I, of course, I, I I'm happy that uh, Darren Williams is joining the team. I think that's fantastic. I'm I'm really surprised that you know at the NBA trade deadline, a guy of Darren Williams' former talent and pedigree, and currently in a season, uh, you know, 40 games started about 30 minutes per game is averaging 13 points and 6.9 assists per game. I, I, I found it really hard to to imagine that he wasn't more in play in the trade market. So I think the calves, uh, you know, this is, this is a coup for them to not only get Darren Williams, but not give up anything to, to just sign him outright on a ve- league, league uh, leagues, minimum veteran contract. I, I think it's fantastic. So that's great. Andrew Bogut, you know, Fills the hole that was left by, by Birdman going down with the with the Achilles tear. So I think that's fantastic if, if he comes and gives uh, a little bit of muscle and rim protection. I mean that's something that has been missing a little bit from from these calves. So I think those are two fantastic moves. Um, now in terms of who you would give up, who who you would cut, uh, yeah I, I guess it's going to be Jordan McRae. I I don't. I think if you were looking at this completely objectively, it would be James Jones because he doesn't do anything on this team, but I think he's untouchable per being one of LeBron's favorite players to to play with. And, and he needs to be on this team for LeBron. I get that it's, it's no big deal, but yeah, it looks like Jordan McGray is going to be the odd man out with uh, Amon and Kyle Korver currently playing the shooting guard position and with J.R. Smith set to come back. It doesn't really make sense to have him on the team uh, when you have the potential to add a rim protector like Andrew Bogut. That, That does make the most sense for me.
1: Yeah, and more good news. Uh, Derek Williams is on a 10-day contract, so that would have been a natural candidate. Just let that contract run out and sign Bogut. That would probably be the easiest thing to do. But indications are there that they are going to sign him for the remainder of the season. Teams cannot sign a player to three consecutive 10-day contracts. So after this is up, they either have to waive him or bring him in. And it looks like Derek Williams is here to stay. Uh, he was one of the aforementioned uh, top five picks. He was drafted number two overall. Uh Right after Kyrie Irving in the 2011 draft, so so Bob, I mean, you know that that's a pretty good sign too because Derek Williams has added some uh, much needed depth to this roster, especially with Kevin Love out.
0: Yeah, definitely. I I think uh, all three of those moves, and then you factor in the the earlier trade for Kyle Corver, You know, the the Cavs don't stand pat, and and they recognize the need to improve, and they will do anything possible to improve. And, and Derek Williams uh is having you know i know he's only played about six games with the Cavs, but a really fine start and definitely deserving of the contract extensions and playing with this team uh, a little bit further i mean he is uh, you know if his averages carry out this would be his second highest scoring total per game since his sophomore season so i i think that was a fantastic move and it just shows you uh, what a well-oiled machine the Cavs are, and, and how some of these role players can play the best basketball uh, of their career when they're playing along the sides, the likes of Kyrie Irving and LeBron James.
1: Can we give David Griffin an Executive of the Year award already?
0: I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, well, I the Pelicans might be deserving of that for the trade. Not but, if they miss the yeah. playoffs. <laughs> uh. I I I I I do think David Griffin de- deserves it. I absolutely do. But I I mean, I I going back to our previous podcast, I I do think the Pelicans got a steal.
1: And that's great. But if you miss the playoffs, come on, man, you can't give someone executive the year for missing the playoffs.
0: No, you're you're sixteen you're right.
1: teams make the playoffs.
0: Yeah, you're you're right. And I think David Griffin will will certainly should be the contender to to win it. Um, as as we've seen in the past, though, uh that's a very odd award with some very odd criteria so i'm not sure <laughs> if he's if he's the luck but i i definitely think he is the most deserving
1: of it he he's been the most deserving candidate the last 2 years by the way i just got to get that out there he should have won it the last 2 years but anyway i i will get off my soapbox griffin i'm on your side <laughs> Heat, that man deserves an award yeah
0: all right well uh the MEA the trade deadline very, very quiet relative to the past couple of years. I mean, I remember the first NBA trade deadline we we did on this podcast two years ago. I mean, there were like eight starting point guards were traded at the deadline, and it was there were just moves left and right, and it was a big readjustment for the entire league. Very quiet this year. Uh, we already covered the DeMarcus Cousins deal last podcast, and we talked about Serge Ibaka being dealt at that time too. Kyle Korver we've obviously talked about uh, for a while now. Uh, at the deadline, really, the only two moves being Todd Gibson and Doug McDermott being traded to the Thunder, and then uh, Ryan Anderson and Andrew Bogut uh, going to the 76ers uh, from the Dallas Mavericks, and obviously Bogut is in negotiations negotiations for a buyout from the 76ers. So, Chris, I mean, there was a whole lot of talk heading into this trade deadline. Not a lot of uh, walk-in, though, and, and not a lot of moves uh, what are your thoughts on that? Any rationale ex- explanations for, for why teams were staying, Pat?
1: Uh, no, not really. Well, well, first off, I mean, a lot of the big moves happened in advance of the trade deadline. You know, it, it wasn't like a totally flat one because of Baca moving and Cousins moving. We, we talked about those already, though. Um, but but overall, I mean, you had a lot of maybe deals. Um, Noel moving kind of surprised me. I, I couldn't believe the 76ers traded him Uh, I know they have three big men and and I guess he was the odd man out, but but he's shown promise, so I think Dallas kind of got a light steal there. That could be the sneaky trade of the trade deadline, because Noel's a pretty young player and a promising big man. Um, Taj Gibson, adding him to the Thunder could also be a solid move to try to maybe squeak out of that first round if you're the Thunder. I I, I don't think that it's going to move the needle in the Western Conference, though. The powerhouses at the top are pretty established. Um, But uh, you know, overall, Bob, I think we would agree that, that it's more about the teams that didn't make a move. I mean, and you look at a team, I think one of the big reasons the trade deadline was so quiet was because the guy sitting on all the gold decided not to spend it, and that would be the Boston Celtics.
0: Yeah, for, for sure. Uh, you know, they are have a treasure chest full of draft picks, and they have a roster full of intriguing young players that, that teams certainly would be interested in in having. Uh, in exchange for some some players you know there's a strong rumor of Jimmy Butler going to the the Celtics which I thought kind of surprising that Chicago would be willing to deal their their bona fide superstar at that point in his career but um, that deal never came to fruition and the Celtics are are just standing pat and didn't make a single move when you know just three games out of first place in the Eastern Conference for for our hometown Cavs uh, the Cavs you know currently with injuries to kevin love and jr smith if the celtics pulled a move and got a superstar i mean i would be worried uh, this is definitely a, a another win for the Cavs at the trade deadline that the celtics did not improve because uh, the celtics certainly had the ammunition to, to put their cards on the table and cash in on a guy like jimmy butler i'm sure i'm certain that they could have put together some package that would have interested the chicago bulls they just have that much draft ammunition particularly with two more uh brooklyn nets picks in in the future uh you know the nets currently with the the worst record in the league right now the the celtics potentially could win the lottery and and swap their draft pick to to have the number one pick uh in this upcoming draft and then even you know the demarcus cousins moves we talked about this a little bit off podcast but i thought the celtics Certainly had the capital to pull the trigger and get Boogie if they knew that that was the price. And I think that they even if they played it right and they put all their cards on the table, they might have been able to pull moves for Cousins and Butler instead of standing pat, keeping the team together. But uh, I don't think that is is good for them this year. Nor do I think it's good for them in the long term because uh, you know draft picks do. Even if you do get a star, it takes three or four years for them to develop and be uh, at a championship level
1: yeah there was certainly a lot of rumors surrounding Jimmy Butler and Paul George. Uh, both of those surprised me just because of their age and how much they meant to their team i mean if you're Indiana Chicago, you would think they'd be trying to build around them, not dealing them um I agree with you with the cousins trade. I know I argued the other side last week kind of um you know my my big thing with the cousins trade is everyone's bashing it as the worst trade ever. Uh, let's wait and see how these guys they got buddy healed and the draft pick pan out because if they hit on the draft pick and healed develops and cousins blows up in uh new orleans they look like geniuses so i think it's too it's always too early to grade a trade especially when you're talking about future assets but um certainly i think boston could have topped that offer uh, i just think sacramento was uh zeroed in on buddy healed because they liked him so much uh in the draft process um but yeah, certainly Boston could have topped that. Uh, they had the assets and the resources to do it, at least on paper. Um, and yeah, you're right. I mean, it, it, assuming they didn't have to pay too much more than what New Orleans paid to get Cousins, Boston did have the depth of assets to potentially swing Jimmy Butler as well. Uh, there was a report late that uh, Indiana rebuked a trade offer for Paul George. That that the Celtics did try to kick the tires on him, but. They they weren't budging and they, they or at least the offer wasn't strong enough, but yeah I mean I think a lot of people are uh, are are breathing a sigh of relief that Boston didn't make a move not just for this year but for the long term. Um, you look at another team like Washington, they didn't have as much ammunition as Chicago. I mean not Chicago it's Boston, so they're not going to get bashed as much. Uh, but maybe if they could have gotten a little creative, that could have been a more deadly team to watch down the stretch. Um, I, I don't think people are as mad at them because I, they didn't have the abundance of uh, resources that Boston did, though. So, so I, I don't think we should hang Washington out to drive too much. But that certainly would have been intriguing if Boston would have, excuse me, Washington would have uh, swung a trade for a guy like Jimmy Butler or even DeMarcus Cousins and wind up on the Wizards with John Wall. That's a pretty deadly combination, too.
0: Yeah, I mean, that, that's interesting to think about, um, you know, DeMarcus Cousins and John Wall being on the same team again, that would be kind of cool. I, I just don't think, like you said, the Wizards had the the capital to, to make those deals. I think only really the Celtics were were the only team in the league really that could offer the the kind of resources to get uh, Jimmy Butler, or Paul George, maybe the Lakers because uh, they they also have w- would have a low draft pick and have some intriguing you know young guys. But I, I think the Celtics were really the only buyers that were able to shop uh, at that price level for for you know those superstars and uh, just really intriguing that they didn't pull the trigger you know they're they're a good team and they are certainly built for the next few years to consistently have a really good record uh, in the regular season I don't think as constructed the Celtics are are built to be a championship team because they just don't have a bona fide superstar as good as Isaiah Thomas will ever be I just I don't think that he is a superstar, nor is Al Horford, and he is uh, you know certainly only going to get older. So I, I, they had the chance to get an athletic wing, Jimmy Butler, Paul George, that could really go toe to toe with LeBron, and, and they weren't able to, to pull that trigger. I think it, uh, is, uh a lot of teams in the Eastern Conference are very happy at the at the Celtics staying put this year.
1: I'm actually more wizard worried about the Wizards than the Celtics. To be honest with you, Bob, I really hope the Raptors don't catch them and the Wizards go into that four or five game. Because, I, I just think there's a chippiness to that team. I think there's more star power on the Wizards. I think there's a better coach on the Wizards too. I, I'm not worried about the Celtics. I don't think the Celtics are going to do much in the playoffs as presently constructed. And uh, I, I just, again, they're they're a team that plays very well in the regular season, but. I just don't think they're a team built to beat a team like Cleveland, absent a ton of injuries, um, in the postseason.
0: Yeah, Boston, uh, for as good as they are, like I said, they they don't worry me uh, nearly as much as the Raptors nor or the Wizards currently. I I think the those two teams have bona fide star power that can uh, carry their team through through a series in the playoffs and, and uh, are are threats to the Cavs if if everything clicks for them. So yeah. Um, at, at post trading deadline, I mean, of those four teams, the Cavs are the ones that improved the most. I'd say, uh, you know, you could argue about that Serge Ibaka making the Raptors a lot better, but, um, I, I think the Cavs are, are, are the winners in the Eastern conference.
1: Right. Cause I think they're the only one that played the game.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: So nobody else stepped on the table, but, but Serge Ibaka was a good get for the Raptors too. So, I mean, but when you're the only two teams that played, I mean, okay, coin flip, we both beat the other 13. Yay. Right. <laughs>
0: yeah. For sure.
1: Well, uh moving away from from the
0: NBA, uh checking in on spring training with the Cleveland Indians, Michael Brantley uh is doing batting practice. So that's certainly a good sign, you know, coming back from uh basically missing an entire season due to some shoulder injuries. Now swinging the bat is has been the breaking point for Brantley uh two previous times when he's been attempting this comeback. Uh, from his injured shoulder so this is certainly a, a key moment but all signs are good right now and, and hopefully uh, he continues to improve Chris I mean we talked about the potential of this Cleveland Indians lineup with or without Brantley obviously a lot more intriguing and deadly if Michael Brantley is in the lineup and is healthy uh, for this season so this is certainly great news right
1: oh excellent news and, and it wasn't just you know soft toss or anything it was a, a regular season uh uh, a completed regular session of batting, batting practice. At least that's what Cleveland.com reported, uh, and also reporting that he's been taking about 120 swings per day. Excellent signs. Uh, of course, the team is saying he looks good. Uh, they have an interest to do that, and no, 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 you know, no disrespect to the team and everything, but of course they're they're saying everything's going well. I hope they're right. I hope everything is going well, and uh, certainly. But but they they also added in the report that they're they're being extremely cautious because again, you know, he went through this process last year and you know just about two weeks after he came back he was back on the DL and missed the rest of the year so they are going to bring him along slowly even if they have to I don't care if he's out for if he has to rehab all throughout April or whatever bring him back make sure he's 100% make sure you do everything you can to avoid a setback and uh, I, I think the, the Indians are doing just that and uh but it's certainly a good sign to see him taking a uh, regular session of batting practice. That can't. That's obviously good news.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, then tuning in with NCAA basketball uh, in the MAC Akron losing to Bowling Green, but uh, they did bounce back with another win. Uh, they now sit three games uh, at the top uh, of the MAC standing. So certainly uh, look like they're going to cruise into that number one seed for the MAC tournament. Uh, this seems to be no surprise. Chris, Akron ha- clearly the most dominant team in the MAC uh, this year.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I mean they deserve the number one seed. They've had a fantastic season, um, but they've they they've suffered too many losses for an at-large bid. Um, again, the MAC tournament's going to be really fun to watch because the, every team knows that only one team's going to emerge from it. So uh, it, it is a fun tournament to go to. It's it's one of the better values in college basketball because uh, you know there's a lot of good basketball because everyone knows what's on the line.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, and then your alma mater, Worcester, uh, winning the NCAC crown, going to the tournament. Uh, I, I know you're excited to hear, to to hear that news, right?
1: Yeah, fifteenth straight NCAA Division three tournament appearance. Uh, and, and it looked like I mean, if they had lost, they they might not have gotten in. They were on the bubble this year. Uh, it was a bit of a it was a quote unquote down year by their standards. Uh, not a lock to get in. They they lost. They started off six and six, but bounced back. Uh, to to finish 21 and 7 so a very good year by the scots to get back to the ncaa tournament they will find out where they're going on monday go sc- I, I you know i love worcester basketball uh one of the best better values in division three a very strong fan base very strong community support uh there are some games in there that, that feel like you're at a division one game the the crowd is pretty intense so it, it, it's a fun environment to be in
0: yeah i, I remember going to a game uh definitely exciting and uh i'm happy for for your scots to to win that um well we definitely hit on a lot of the big news uh in in the world of sports with our nba trade deadline coverage so not any other big headlines to discuss so uh we we like doing our uh fake headlines that we would like to see come true in, in the next week uh we we did that for the first time uh last week so we are going to do this uh again and and probably make this a weekly one so chris what is your headline that you would like to see uh in in the next week
1: well last week i went semi-realistic something that could actually happen this this week i'm going a little ridiculous i'm pulling a bob uh i'm going (laughs) with bulls reach buyout agreement with Dwayne wade And because I figure LeBron's getting everything he wants, why not get Dwayne Wade on a veterans minimum contract to round out this Cavs roster? It's just been that sweet right now. So hopefully Chicago can get to buy out terms and uh, make LeBron happy for us. Uh, Certainly not going to happen, but I can hope, right?
0: Yeah, you you can certainly hope. (laughs) That would be fantastic. Uh, That almost... It's quite literally, I maybe not my headline from last week, but I think I made a, a New Year's resolution to get Dwayne Wade. Or No, that was to make LeBron James happy because he was kind of grumpy. It was to get Dwayne Wade. So that would certainly cheer him up getting his buddy on the team. Um, Dwayne Wade's buyout would be for like $20 million. So I don't know if that uh, w- would happen. Um, but yeah, uh, we, we can wish on this podcast for sure. Uh, that would certainly be funny. Um, my headline is not something I would like to see. It's more in honor of the Oscars happening tonight. It's uh, the Oscars announced that draft day wins best picture of the decade. <laughs> <laughs> I don't uh, think
1: that's going to happen.
0: Yeah. You know, I, I, any, I love Cleveland. I love, you know, Cleveland getting love and, uh, you know, getting features in, in national stories and national films but i'm sorry draft day was a terrible movie it was so bad hey
1: but but in this time the browns won't have to trade up to number one just to draft the guy they were going to get anyway they already have the number one pick yeah maybe, maybe sashi brown's already written his uh draft pick on a sheet of paper and has got it in his pocket
0: uh yeah um i hope not because there's a lot to to analyze before that um hopefully also that they uh you know have bios on all the draft picks and not just the guys that they've keyed in on uh, so that if they do make a draft, they trade, they don't have to uh spend the next 12 hours getting everything they know about the guy. They can, they already have like a, a bio filled.
1: That was the best part is that they trade up to number one and then they're like, okay, I want to know everything about him. It's like, wait a second. You didn't scout yeah. everyone. You just scouted the one guy you thought might be there at number six. Yeah. Though, though that is probably a Browns move, though. Oh, for that, sure. I, it I could have been I, something. They actually, did. It,
0: it probably has happened.
1: <laughs> anyway, not. We didn't intend to bash the movie draft day, but, but it is a fun movie to to laugh at. I, I think if you want a good laugh, it's a good movie.
0: Yeah, it's not. It's not an unbearably bad movie. Uh, it's certainly not a good movie, but it's it's fun to watch. It was. I I enjoyed watching it. Um. I I screamed at the TV at certain points just at how absurd it was and I think I texted I, maybe you I, I know I texted my mom and dad while I was watching it you know giving them like a play-by-play of my thoughts um yeah it it was fun
1: anyway I started doing the the draft day in in Batman and Bane's voice I thought that was pretty fun <laughs> uh to do that so, I won't th- I won't I won't burden our listeners with that on the podcast though. I, I don't <laughs> want their ears to bleed. Uh so, it's all good, but anyway, we have uh jam-packed this podcast as usual, a lot of draft talk, both real draft and fake draft, a uh, lot of NBA trade talk and some good signs out of good years. so uh you know, we're, we're going to be back next week. Hopefully there's more good news. And, uh, you know, hopefully my fake headline comes true because that would just be a great podcast to do. But until then, we will uh, see you next week. Please follow us on Twitter at Fenley Road Sports or on Instagram at Fenley Road Sports. Thank you for listening to our podcast, Clee Talk, presented by FenleyRoadSports.com. You can subscribe to our podcast via iTunes by searching Fenley Road Sports. Click Clee Talk. Or just click our little iTunes icon in the upper right corner of FinleyRoadSports.com. We are back every single week with more Cleveland sports talk because we love Cleveland sports. We love chatting with you. And uh, it's good times. Great times to be a Cavs fan. So hopefully all of these uh, buyouts can get done. Everyone can get on the roster and the Cavs can get back to winning basketball games as usual. Not that they stopped, but just keep on doing it. And uh, so, yeah, until next week, go Cavs.
0: All right, I'll see you, Chris. Go Cavs.
1: Take it easy, Bob.